Good day, everybody. Jeff Cross here. You can contact me at jeffcross22 at gmail.com. And of course, you can, um, if you haven't done so already, you could still go on to and find my Facebook page. Um, it is labeled TNG or Tenacity and Grit. Um, I put all my content on there from the podcast to my short uh, one or two, three minute videos on there, any kind of uh, thoughts for the day or inspiration. So, um, so again, jeffcross22 at gmail.com or find the Facebook page TNG, that's for Tenacity and Grit. Um, also, if podcast and you like all of a sudden something connects with you, something resonates with you or something is said that you can relate to. And or maybe someone that you know can hit the share button. That's the best way we can get this out there is we're counting on the people listening to share, to share. And then um, that, that helps help get the good word spread. So, all right. Well, today's guest, if, if you're, if you could read this dude's bio, there's a real chance you would think we got a, like a genius on our hands here. Um, this gentleman Really is not an official, 100% not an official, but he knows one and he's very closely related to one. And that's kind of how we got connected. But this dude's got a PhD in communication. Um, he attended, uh, attended Illinois State University. Um, his PhD is from Ohio University. He puts a weekly newsletter together um, on communication. I'm on that email list. Um, it's a great content. Um, and is in the really working on, on, on drafting a book, and I can't wait for that to come out. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Dave Novak. Are you there, Dave? Hey, Jeff. It's uh, great to get a chance to talk to you, and thanks for that uh, wonderful intro. Yeah, my pleasure, man. It was a pretty easy one to do, that's for sure. I'm like, <laughs> wow, wait, man. So I know I missed a few things. What did I miss? So I know we got a PhD in communication, right? Um, you went to Illinois State. Yep. Um, I also see that maybe you went to Clemson University. Or no, you taught at Clemson University, right? I, I taught at Clemson University for four years. So I'm still, uh, I grew up being not much of a, a, I didn't really have a college like that I cheered for. So Clemson became my college football team. So I worked down there for a while in South Carolina. Mm. Um, I also taught at uh, a university in the Netherlands in Rotterdam called Eras Erasmus University. Um, and then uh, I actually worked for one year at DePaul uh, as I was kind of transitioning my career out of academia. So, I, listen, this is, I just want to let you, this is a serious podcast. You can't be making up universities <laughs> like your roomus or whatever that word is. <laughs> You'll have to take that up with the Dutch, I guess. <laughs> I guess. That's exactly right. So no, that's awesome. Yeah, so. it was a nice university. I taught it. It was a, in an international program, taught lots of people from different cultures and different countries. And it was a, an amazing learning experience, as you could probably imagine. Yeah, I can only imagine for sure. So, all right. So let's get into it here. I, I really... My first question for you is why communication? Why, why, you know, what, what's, what's the attraction, man? Yeah. I mean, I got interested in it as an undergrad, um, as a student down at Illinois state. And frankly, um, at least, and this is, you know, related to how I became, let's say how I chose my major, um, was I didn't, I didn't, uh, have a whole lot of better choices at the time. I didn't know what else to do with myself. I was a bit of a lost sheep, uh, if you want to say that. Um, I'm talking after, during my freshman year of college and, and into my sophomore year, and I didn't really have a good career direction. I kind of thought about maybe I was going to teach. I thought maybe I'd do business, but I didn't necessarily feel that drawn to that. And then uh, my, my first semester of my sophomore year, I took a public speaking class, which is, of course, a class that a lot of uh, undergrads at universities across the country take. And I learned I was pretty good at it. Um, mm. I, it was one of the first, if you want to call it an easy A, not because the class was easy, but because I felt motivated by learning it. And I liked getting up in front of people and talking. Um, and then that was the thing that kind of sparked like, all right, what could I do with this? If this is what I chose to study, um, 
that led me to become a public relations major as an undergrad. I stuck around at Illinois State to teach in the master's degree program there in communication because I went back to maybe I want to be a teacher someday. Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of just got the ball rolling. That was the snowball. Eventually, I finished my master's and I went to work for a little bit. And I said, you know what? I want to go back and do a PhD. I just want to I want to do the college professor thing. I want to study this for a couple of years intensely. Um, and that just, you know, career careers evolve and it changed from there. That's awesome. That, that's a great story. You know, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you here. I, and, and I typically don't feel, you know, I feel very comfortable around a lot of people, but when I'm speaking to a PhD, yeah, I'm a little edgy here. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, Ooh, because one, you know, and I, and I joke a lot where, you know, I'm an athletic director at our school, but when I, and I draft an email that it's going to the English teacher, I'm very on edge that I'm not using punctuation correctly. So I, I'm going to, once I, after about 10 or 15 minutes of us discussing, I'll probably get off that edge of, well, I hope I'm communicating correctly. So, yeah. well, Hey, you know what? The good thing is, is there's no one way to communicate uh, absolutely perfect. And that's uh, one of the things I believe about that. And, we can talk about that. So uh, don't yeah. feel nervous. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't feel nervous. I, I think I'm more joking than no, anything, no, trying to get people to get engaged a little bit. So, so, all right. So, so I want to know also is one of the questions I was thinking is, you know, was there some, you know, can you talked about, you know, okay, I'm, I, I took this public speaking class, you know, and you felt very comfortable, but there, I, was there anything else that said, man, that's it. Yeah. This is this is a, it's what I got to do. That's a great question. Um, you know, it was always I'd say always. It was sure. It was a it was I was drawn to the complexity, right? And I like and I like people, meaning I like watching people. I think we're humans are fascinating creatures. Uh, Amen. We, we we're we're amazingly collaborative and and can um, work together. We also can't get out of our own way sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. Right. And it was just that I see communication as that's the process that connects us, right? That's the thing we do. That's the behavior we engage in that allows people to connect with one another for me to mm-hmm. understand you, for you to understand me. Um, and then new things are created from that. So it's really just, I honestly, this sounds a little silly, but I've, communication is kind of magical um, mm, in a lot of man, ways. Great word. Great word. I love it. Go and, ahead. I'm and, listening, man. Yeah. And that's, that's what draws me to it. Um, and that's, I wouldn't say that was a question I was thinking about when I was 25 years old and going into my PhD. That's something that came along later. Um, but that's, as I kind of reflect back on where my career's been and all these things I've studied and the classes I've taken in the universities I've worked at and the consulting work I've done, it's, there's something magical about people talking and interacting with one another. And that's what, what fascinates me. Man, that's, I love it. Um, you know, you said something about how it's, you know, you're always watching people and they fascinate you by watching them. Um, I, I often joke you know, me as a, as a division one basketball referee and obviously, you know, just a human being, we are all, I, we, I believe we're all this phrase, but some are better than others. Yeah. And I, and I call ourselves trained observers. Yeah. We are very much trained observers. Now, some people are elevated to a higher level to where they're really in tune to what's going on around them. And, and, and some just kind of, they only observe the things that go within their tunnel of vision. Yep. You know, you know, a real elevated person might really widen that and notice things that um, most, you know, uh, you know, most other people just have no idea that even happened. So yeah. I, I, am, am I wrong in saying that, that, you know, trained observers, no. I mean, that, that's, that's a sign <laughs> of a great communicator probably, or no, I believe so. And I mean, I can, I'm thinking, cause I know, right. You're a referee and, as you hinted in the intro, my brother is one as well. And um, you guys have to be like when you're working a game, right? You have to kind of be paying attention. Like, okay, what, how's that guy interacting? Or how's that player interacting with that other player? What's that coach doing? Right. You have to kind of be really aware of what's going on in that context. Um, And I think that's a good lesson that isn't just applicable to refereeing, of course, but in lots of situations, 
Um, I would say that trained observer thing, right? That's part of what I come at that more as a scientist, right? From as, cause I was trained as a researcher. I also do that just because I'm a human being who's interested in other human beings, but I definitely agree. There's uh, some people that are better at kind of having a little bit more of an open mind and surveying the situation they're in. And there's other folks, like you said, that kind of, they're stuck in that tunnel vision. They see what they want to see. They hear what they want to hear. And you got to get beyond that if you want to connect better, connect differently with, you know, people that you may not know that well. Yeah. And, you know, I feel, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel it, it has to be, you have to be practicing it. You have to be practicing it on a daily basis. You have to be practicing your observation skills when you go to the gas station. You have to be practicing those kind of things. You can't just say, you know, hey, okay, I'm going to start observing now. Well, probably should have been doing that. I guess my point is you need to be practicing if you want to be elevated at it, correct? Correct. There's a lot. um, You have to be kind of self-aware of that, right? You have to have that self-awareness about, oh, like I need to figure out some way to do this better, right? Let's say it could be something simple. Let's say it's going to the grocery store and you always have some weirdo conversation with the the person who's checking out your groceries, right? And you feel Mm -hmm. like, oh, that's an awkward conversation. Why is that like that? Well, you've got to be self-aware. What did I do? What did they do, right? You have to pay attention and read the situation. Is the line busy? Is it not busy? Does she seem like she wants to chit-chat or not, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things you have to be self-aware of and you have to practice and you have to kind of do like, you have to be like that all the time if you want to get better. Um, So that's, it's, it's a difficult thing that we, cause one of the things I firmly believe about communication is that we do it all the time and we do it when we're not thinking about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Every, every conversation you have with another human being, you're communicating. So how do you kind of build in that self-awareness? How do you build in that? I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to dedicatedly practice doing something different this time so I can see what happens. Those mm-hmm. are essential questions about mm-hmm. getting better at communication and in an everyday sort of way. Man, that, that really sparks a thought for me. This is the thought I'm thinking of. I want to make sure I, I, I want to make sure I communicate with you correctly, which is, um, oh man, I want to go back to it because I want to cover some more things. We're going to no go problem. back to it. Okay. Cause I apologize, but I really, I think that's a good one, but I want to go back to it. No worries. So, can you do me a favor if you could break down communication because we all need it, right? If you could break down communication into three categories, what would that be? Ooh, three categories. I'm or not... top, top three. <laughs> you know. yeah. yeah. I'm not, I'm not much one for, I mean, you have to, it's such a huge concept, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a thousand different ways I could slice it. Do you want to talk about, language do you want to talk about like behavior right me me waving at you do you Mm. want to talk about like the back and forth of communication i would say i don't even know that i'm going to say three so i'm not trying to dodge a question i would say i think there's something that fund fundamental that people i don't know if they misunderstand it or if they just don't realize it about communication that it's communication is way less of the traditional way that people have kind of think about it, or if you've been taught about communication at all, or if you've ever Googled communication, you're likely to find something that talks about sending and receiving messages, right? That's Mm -hmm. kind of the archetypal model, so to speak, of communication. And I, the way I think about it sort of rejects that model. And I'm not, that's not an innovative thought. There's plenty of communication professors out there that would reject the same, reject that principle. Communication is less about sending and receiving messages and more about the working out, I would like to call it, the working out of where my meaning and your understanding overlap. That's what communication is really about. It's not about me getting a message across to you or me getting a message out to everybody that's listening to this podcast. It's about me saying things that are kind of true and authentic from my own experience. And then what is it that people take away from that? What is it that people find useful from that interaction or from, right, those messages, if you want to call them that, that they can use in their own 
life that they can use on their daily basis. So I know I totally dodged your question about breaking it down into three things, but for me, that's more of an essential point because communication is a thing that you can slice and dice a thousand different ways. Um, but but for, I, yeah, go ahead. for me, it's really about shifting kind of that fundamental thinking about communication to, I guess, not answer your question. Well, and I love what you've said because, you know, and like if we, if we just rewind at the beginning of the podcast, there's, you know, there's multiple ways to communicate. There's really no wa- wrong way to do it. But the ultimate success in communication is if I'm sending the message of A and you are receiving the message of A, success. If I'm sending the message of A and you receive the message of B, we're unsuccessful. So what, however that works, you know, and, you know, I, I use the term, uh, you know, the word chameleon a lot in officiating, you know, we have to be a chameleon. We have to be able to blend in with the people around us and, mm-hmm. and find a way to, you know, look like the rest of them. So if I am, as you said, you know, I got to be aware of the, of the cashier. Are they, is it, is it busy? Are they, do they look like they're in the mood to chat, whatever that is. Okay. They're prepared. I, I'm sensing or I'm, I'm taking off their, their, um, I don't want to say verbal cues, but you know, their, their, their body language that they're ready to hear the message of a, so now I can try and, you know, be a chameleon and send that message of a, so they can hear a, which is because for me, my biggest figure with communication is I'm afraid that someone's not going to understand what I'm trying to, you know, as I say to my kids all the time, do you understand what I'm do you understand when I'm stepping in here? Do you smell when I'm stepping in? And I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid. So when we do communicate, and I believe that's probably a real issue for a lot of people, is they're afraid to communicate because they're afraid they might not actually get across the point they want. Yeah, I think you're correct on that. And where I guess where I would try to engage that thought, which I believe you're, I believe you pinpointed that well, is to, and this isn't easy by any stretch. So I don't, I don't say this lightly. Is that in some ways, if you have to, and I don't mean you, of course, Jeff, but people have to let that go a little bit. And again, I know that's not an easy thing to do in practice. Um, one of the things that I tend to think about how communication works is that a lot of it is it's far more spontaneous than we give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, a lot happens when right when you and I sat down for the start of this podcast 17 and a half minutes ago, I had literally no idea where this is going to go. Right. So we have, uh, there's a lot about it that's spontaneous and I completely get feeling that kind of paralyzation that like, well, what if they don't understand where I'm coming from? Part of it is, and again, not easy thing to do, not an easy thing to say, but let go of that a little bit and kind of surrender to the process of interacting with other people, if that makes sense. Because if you don't do that, then nothing good's going to come out, right? If you just sit at home and don't talk to anybody, mm-hmm. if you never have a conversation with anybody, well, then nothing's going to happen, right? You're mm-hmm. just going to be by yourself rather than interacting with others. And so I'm going to take this to you know, the year 2020. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and how are we doing a majority of our communication? <laughs> we're, we're doing it in three minute, four minute video or 10 minute present video presentations with zero, you know, or very little feedback or, you know, emotional return in front of a group of 10 people yeah. or in a classroom or whatever that is. And we're putting it out there and we have no idea yeah. what our reaction is going to be. We hit send. And a lot of people, a lot of people will, and they'll create something, whatever that is, some sort of content of they want to communicate how their day's going, whatever that might be, and put it on social media and they'll create it and they won't send it because they're depending, correct me if I'm wrong, they're depending on their own feelings on if it should, if I should post or not, because no one's sitting in front of them going, yeah, it's a good video, good video. You need to post that. That's really good. (laughs) Someone's shaking their head. So they, you know, the self-doubt kicks in and now it gets deleted or it sits in the, in the draft box. Am I wrong? Huh? No, you're right. And I mean, technology is a, I think the bigger point that you're making is technology is total game changer, right? We're all, everybody's been sitting at home. Well, they should be sitting at home for the most part right. for the last few months. And right. You're interacting with colleagues, 
parents, siblings, everybody's on FaceTime or Zoom, uh, right? Mm -hmm. A lot more text messages, I'd imagine, because you can't get together. It's a total game changer for, Mm -hmm. for how people interact. And technology brings about all sorts of strange behaviors like you were some of which were you were you were uh, mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. I'm 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 super guilty of that. I'll draft emails to somebody and then I'll write the whole thing out and I get to the end and go, ah, do I need to send this? Now let me mm-hmm. put it in the draft box for a bit. <laughs> and then I come back and reread it later. Yeah. Or I do the same thing on Twitter sometimes where I'll type out a tweet and I'll be like, I don't want to tweet that, like after mm-hmm. I've written it, right? Yeah. Um, so all sorts of strange things happen when technology gets involved. That's a whole nother episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. But it does lead me into, you know, I'm just going to, you know, um, if you want to take just a few seconds here and, t- you know, tell people about your, your weekly newsletter that you're, you're putting together and sending that out. Tell people about that. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. So for 2020, um, I, for this year, I set a, a kind of a personal writing goal that I wanted to share a thousand smart words per week on various aspects of communication. Um, and people can sign up to get that delivered directly to them uh, in their inbox. They can go to communicate.substack.com. That's where I'm hosting my newsletter right now. Or they can visit my website, which is davidrnovak.com and sign up there. Um, I send one article a week every Tuesday morning. Um, my goal is to do that every week for 2020. And in essence, what I'm doing for folks, if they're interested in the sorts of things that I'm talking about and the sort of perspective that I'm kind of bringing to the table is I'm basically drafting my book for folks right out in the open. Like people are getting first drafts of sections that are going to be eventually in the book that I'm going to publish. And I don't say first draft to make it sound like they're rough or I haven't put a lot of thought into them. I spend many, many hours every week. Uh, trying to figure out what the best smart things to say are. Um, so that's kind of my, per- it was a personal writing goal uh, at the, towards the end of last year that I said, you know what, I got to get out there and I got to start, start talking about these things. Um, so that's what I'm uh, doing on my newsletter right now. Yeah. If there, for anybody who's listening, who hasn't seen Dave's new letter, it's really, really good, you know, and, and, you know, just this past week was one, but was, you know, the, the main content was feedback. You know, yeah. and I read it, you know, I, I reread it again before, this morning just to kind of, you know, familiarize myself again. But, you know, talk to me a little bit about feedback. You know, you know, I feel like that's probably pretty fresh in your mind because you just wrote about it. You know, talk to me a little bit about it. Yeah. Feedback is. Um, first of all, we do there's there's elements of feedback, and this is part of what I was trying to talk about in this week's this week's edition was there's a lot about feedback that just happens kind of naturally in conversation. Um, I think people tend to think about giving feedback as sort of, and they think about it in formal ways, right? Like they think about, well, if I'm at work and I get feedback on how I did on that project, right. Mm -hmm. Or I know referees get feedback on how they uh, performed in a game, right. And they might get comments on, you know, well, you made this call and you maybe should have thought about this or did you consider that? So I think I want to interrupt you here. We get feedback instantly. As soon as we blow the whistle, (laughs) we hear 10,000 people go, boo, that's that's feedback. That that is feedback. And it's it's quite spontaneous, right? Quite spontaneous. Yes. (laughs) Um, So I'm sure that, uh, and this is, you know, uh, I'm not trained as a referee. So I wonder like, how much do referees think about that sort of thing when they're in front of 10,000 people and all of a sudden start, everybody starts booing. Do you mm-hmm. say, ah, that's the home crowd. Or do you, does it cause you to question go, hmm, did I get that right? Did I miss something? Um, so I guess what that piece was about this past week was a little bit trying to get at that spontaneous part of feedback um, and just try to, a lot of what I write, at least the, the way I'm coming at it right now is just to try to get people to think a little bit differently about communication. And that was no different in what I was trying to do this week with the feedback pieces. Um, I think there's some kind of stodgy ideas that kind of are floating around in the ether out there about how we communicate and what communication is. And I think there's a lot of um, depth to go there. So, um, you know, I was trying to think about, I guess, to wrap and not wrap up, but just to make another point from this week's piece is that, you know, feedback, it's best. I think this is a general rule for communication as a whole, but I also think this is especially true for feedback is that whenever you have the chance to give feedback to somebody, it's an opportunity to help somebody. It's an opportunity to improve them or improve 
the product, whatever it is you're talking about. That could be your relationship. That could be a project at work. Um, so part of that piece was also about thinking about feedback as an opportunity to kind of be positive, to help somebody, to help them achieve their goal, right? A lot mm -hmm. of people think about feedback and they, they think about it as a way to, and they use it as a chance to attack, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't like this. I didn't like that. Why did you do it this way? If you flip that perspective around and go, you know what, if I go into giving feedback with a mindset of, let me help this person achieve their goals, what can, where are they trying to go and how can I help them get there? And I think that's a better approach to take. And that's kind of what I was trying to say in that piece. But now that I'm talking about that, I'm like, I probably could have written that better. <laughs> ah, no, I, I think it's great. I think it's great. You know, for, you know, if we, you know, we look at 2020 and we're, you know, everything's digital, right. And everything's, and this is, we live in a day and age, you know, if you post something on Twitter, well, the first thing you do is see how many likes you got on the Twitter, right? Or how many how many people retweeted it, and because that's that's the only way you're going to get that type of feedback. Um, I will add to this, and I know you said um, that there is, you know, you kind of want to help people uh, achieve their goal. They don't, they don't want to, you know, that they want to attack, you know, instead of trying to help their, achieve their goal. But I believe what's so important about feedback is as i like to use the phrase at the altar type honesty mm -hmm. if we are giving feedback just to try and give feedback and convince someone to when when you really truly believe it should be going to the right but it's going straight yep you're making a mistake because we're because what they're hearing is Oh, Dave likes my stuff and he thinks it's going straight the direction I'm going when really his true heart is it's going right. And you've you've done the person a disservice by telling them, hey, it looks good. Keep up the good work. And meanwhile, you've you've sent them on a wrong path. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, I what, when you're talking, I'm I'm hearkening back to my teaching days in the classroom. Right. And it was always challenging when you'd get some students, they crave that feedback they want. They're right They're at university to improve and get better and use, uh, you know, use their college experience as a chance to try things and fail when the consequences honestly aren't that high. Mm -hmm. um, but there are others. I always every professor had students that like when you'd give them something and they'd kind of take it personally. Right. And it, you'd have to have that conversation like, no, this is about your work. Like, I want you to improve. And if I don't, I'm not doing my job, if I don't tell you these things, right, because mm -hmm. this is our chance. This is your chance to work on this stuff, uh, you know, before you have to go out there and do it for a boss who's paying you lots of money or whatever the case might be. So, yeah, there's an interesting dynamic there with kind of both giving feedback to the mindset of helping and being honest about it. There's also a flip side of that, being receptive to feedback and kind of mm -hmm. using it. You also have to know when people are trying to steer you in a direction you don't want to go, right? Mm -hmm. There are things that um, I might write that I believe this is the thing I want to argue and people may not like that. That's okay. Like you got to stand up for what you believe in at the same, at the same, uh, at the same time, right? So it's yeah. so you, complicated. Well, and you have to be within your principles, right? You have yeah. principles that, yeah. you know, that you follow on a daily basis. So when you put this on paper and you proofread it and you have someone else proofread it or whatever that might be, they are going to have the same principles and values. So we, you know, are they, they know where your principles and values are. So that's what you, that's what you believe, regardless of whether you agree or not. Cause, cause I think there's a big difference between agreeing and then giving positive feedback. There's a big difference. There. Absolutely. Absolutely big difference. And let me, something else that's uh, stimulated while you're talking there. I think this, and I don't, I don't have this fully fleshed out by any stretch, but I, there's something to your point that you're making about values. Uh, it's about authenticity when it comes mm -hmm. to communication. And that's such a, a slippery thing, but there's something about that when you know when you're getting the real person, right? The authentic person that's across from you, that they really believe what they're saying and whether you agree or not, right? There's an authenticity to that. And that's a super slippery, hard to grasp thing about communication, but it's there, right? Mm -hmm. I believe it's there. We know it when we see it, we like it usually, mm -hmm. 
Um, right. You want to meet, you want to meet and talk with people that you like, all right, that's a human being there. Right. Mm-hmm. I am getting a human being. Um, mm-hmm. There's something to that. But then I think that's connects up with that. Um, you know, what you believe and what you value thing you were talking about. Well, and, and we find ourselves in difficult situations where we know what we believe and we get very clouded by what is necessarily the way the rest of the world is going. You know, we, we know, we believe, you know, whatever this is, you know, A, but the rest of the people around me, the, the, everyone I talk to believes B. So how, how do I continue to stay on A? Do I really do that? You know, do I really believe that's part of my principles and values is to stay with A? Or do I take this, this feedback, for, you know, and hear all the, the other, I call it outside noise, of you know pushing B, pushing B, you know it really can. I mean, it can it can get you back on your heels a little bit, especially if you're you know you're you're trying to put out things that you believe is true and you think this is the better way, and then no one wants to follow that or no one wants to hear that. So that th- those are difficult times. Absolutely, um, it t- you know, and it's uh, I think it con- I think part of that in response is, you know, you have to have the fortitude to kind of stick to what you believe in. If it's true and if it's good, um, if it's good for others, I think that's a question that people don't ask themselves enough. Right. Like, Mm. and I think, I think this, that sort of thing goes down to the, to the granular level of communication and conversations. Right. And I think we've all had this, anybody that's listening out there, who's been in a relationship with a wife or partner, whatever that is, I know this has happened in my own marriage, right? There's sometimes I might get into it with my wife about something and then I go, why I shouldn't say that or I shouldn't do that. That's not good for her, right? Why am mm. I doing that to myself? Why am I doing that to her? So then it becomes that self-reflection like, okay, I'm doing A. I don't want to do A anymore. What else can I do, right? There's mm. B, there's C, there's D, there's E, there's F, there's G. I can do any of those. Try something else next time. Don't do A, <laughs> Right. Mm, right. Right. So it, it takes fortitude and dedication to not just stick to those good ways of doing things, but that self-reflection thing to like, is this good for me? Is this good for others? What is coming out of these conversations? You know, and can we change that in some way? You know, and I, it sparks a thought in my head. And I, you know, I use this uh, this term a couple of years ago and I still do believe it. Um, I just don't I don't know that I practice it as much, you know, because I, I always feel like there's. For me, anyway, you know, that when I learn something and I start to put it into daily practice and then sometimes I, you know, I, I, maybe I steer away from it as much because maybe I've learned something else, but I still try to practice this as much as possible. You know, I have to think to myself, is, is this response that I'm about to give, am I saying it just to make myself feel better? Mm-hmm. You know, because this is, you know, that's, that's, that's just going to make me feel better. Mm-hmm. Or am I saying a response is actually going to help? the scenario. Yeah. That's uh very wise of you. <laughs> that's the, well, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's very hard. It's very hard. Um, yeah. I've had conversations with people that like, uh, you know, whoever that is with my wife, with my daughter, with sibling, whoever that say that where I think to myself, like I see, you can see the pattern, right? You can see the repetition like, Oh, when this happens and then that, then it comes off the rails. So how do we prevent it from coming off the rails? Mm-hmm. Right. Is it doing something good for the other person or not? Um, yeah, absolutely agree with you, Jeff. Yeah. And my wife is very good. You know, if anybody who has any kind of significant partner, find a partner that knows when you've been triggered <laughs> because my wife is, you know, she knows she, she very much in tune to how I think and how I believe and my principles and values. And when someone maybe says something that is not within those principles and values, she, all it takes is for her to look at me and I realize, okay, don't just say what you want to say here, Jeff, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know what I mean? And it, you know, we talk about the feedback that even though my wife and I were not having a conversation, I was able to receive that feedback from her, which she already, you know, she was able to read my body language. She understand where I was going. She was able to send me something, even via the look or a tap on the knee or whatever that might be. And I was able to receive that feedback opposed to getting blinded by, I want to respond. I want to respond. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I would say uh, to that, I've thought about that 
similar point. Uh, some, I would say this as quickly as I can sum it up as possible, that a shocking amount of good communication is actually not saying the thing that you think you want to say, <laughs> right? Which is a paradox when it comes, because we think about, to go back to that, we think of communication as sending messages, sending messages, receiving messages, receiving messages, but not saying something, not sending a message is also somehow still communication, right? So sometimes good communication means, you know what, take a breath, walk away. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't say that thing that your, your brain is saying, yeah, say that, say that mm-hmm, to her. Right. That's what you want to do. <laughs> That's right. And in turn, it'll make me feel better, which, again, does not solve any issues at all. Right. It only uh, exacerbates them. Right. Yeah. You know, and I and I and I'm going to give you a little, you know, some of the things that tricks that I use and I, I would love for you to you know expand on them. You know, when I know that there's times where I'm going to be around people that I understand that just that are difficult for me to process, difficult for me to um uh, you know, maybe, you know, stay within their values. You know what I mean? Not that I want to, but I, I, I express to my loved ones when that, when those opportunities come, I'm just not for sure if I can do eight hours with, you know, this, this group of people, oh, yeah. I'm willing to do that, <laughs> but can we, can we limit it to three or four because of those things? Is that, is that a smart thing to do? I mean, is that, so does that improve my communication skills in those ways? Uh, or am I better off? jumping in a fire and really challenging myself. No, I think it's, I mean, I think challenging yourself once in a while is certainly okay, but I think you and I are both old enough to know like what we like and what works for us. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of the same way. So a bit, perhaps ironically, uh, is right. I've spent most of my life studying communication, but I'm actually quite introverted as a person. Mm. I don't, I don't really like being at, I, I like parties. Don't get me wrong with that, but there can be conversations with people that are just right. Overwhelming. They're, they're in your face. They talk too much. They, mm. right. They talk about things that you're just not interested in or don't want to, don't want to have conversations about. And I find that emotionally draining as I think I'm picking up from what you were mm. saying. Um, so yeah, some of that is like, I can go to a party with my, my wife and then go, yeah, I'm not going to be able to make it five hours of this. Like I'll, I'll, I'm going to go home after 90 minutes. Right? Yeah. Um, right. Just uh, last summer when people could visit uh, physically, right. Physically mm-hmm. close. We were uh, having our block party on the nice block that I live on. And all these people were outside uh, drinking coffee and having donuts. First event of the block party in the morning. And what was I doing? I was sitting in my office, listening to my music, writing, drinking my coffee because I can't handle 15 people out in the front of my house right? At eight mm-hmm. o'clock in the morning. That's too much for me. I know that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think sometimes the pushing that boundary is good. And other times you just have to be intelligent enough to know, to say, you know what, this is, I can handle this for a little bit, or I can't handle this at all. Um, I think that shows maturity actually. Yeah. And I think it's something that, you know, again, we have to get, we have to be, we have to understand that within ourselves, right? You're in there, you know, drinking your coffee, you know, listening to your music, working on your writing, whatever that is. And you have to understand that, hey, this this goes towards my principles and values. As much as I know I might be being judged because I'm not out there having coffee and donuts with the rest of them, (laughs) I have to stay within my principles and values. And this is what I do believe. I do believe the people that truly love us will accept us for those kind of things. Oh, absolutely. 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 Go ahead, well, I'm sorry. Well, and I think that it what it does is when we those people that love us that support us in those things, it becomes very easy for us to achieve our you know our outstanding goals here when we go towards that because those people are around us that love us like that and they understand that hey, you know, he he might need he might need 45, 50 minutes here just to work on his stuff and because you know we, we want the best Dave Novak with us. So if it means that I have to miss him for 45 minutes to an hour to get the best Novak for the rest of the block party, uh, everyone, everyone, the people who really truly love you should be able to accept that. Yeah, that's, uh, you're absolutely right. We can't do, I don't, we can't do much of anything without the support of other people in general and especially not for, um, you know, without the support of those people that are close to us and that love us and support our goals. And, you know, for me, my wife was the one out, out front 
drinking the coffee and eating the donuts and going, uh, David's what, you know, and somebody neighbor might ask, where's David? Oh, he's inside. He's working on his book. Mm-hmm. Right. And they go, Oh, okay. Like he'll be out later. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and she, she's like, yep, that's what he does. Like, <laughs> cause that's what I really do. So. Right. It's exactly. Yeah. That's what I really do. And you know, it, it, in the short term, it, the easy part is just to go out there and be part of the block party that in the short term, but in the long term, you know, I'm just, you know, thinking, you know, for you and, obviously stop me whenever I'm wrong, but in 20 years and the book sold, the big, the book's done, it's published and it's sold. And then your wife says to you, man, that's a great accomplishment. You know, you can, you can look back, rewind yeah. and go, well, you know, it took some sacrifice, almost yeah. like sacrifice that you didn't realize that I was making or that needed to be made. Like I have to miss the first 90 minutes of the block party because this has to do with what my achievements are. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'd say the only thing I would correct you on is that it better not take me 20 years. to finish uh, this book. So I'm hoping more for, I'm hoping more for two or three. Good. Well, I did write a book. Um, and it is a, you know, my wife, I love her, but she, you know, she, she gives me a hard time. She goes, this is not a book. This is just a thick pamphlet is all this is. She says. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, your definition of book, my definition of book are very, could be very different, but it, you know, I had it in my head that I was going to write a book for a long, long time, long time. And then finally, I think once I finally dedicated, which you sound like you've already done that, you know, but once I finally dedicated the time to say, okay, let's schedule it every week, you know, every day, whatever, you know, whatever that time frame was to work on it, to work on it, to work on it and got it done. That that's, uh, it's pretty easy. I, you know, I don't want to say easy, but it's a lot. The goal is a lot um, more obtainable when you set a schedule to get the done, get it done. Not say, I, I, this is my, we're not, I know we're not talking about communication now, but this is just my thoughts. If I have a goal to, I don't know, uh, save a million dollars, I first must have a goal to save $10 a day. If I just go through life saying, I want to save a million dollars, I want to save a million dollars. It's, it's, you know, and then if I miss three or four days, you know, that, that goal just seems to be like, it's impossible. It's possible. But if I break that down to say, I just want to save $10 a day and then a million dollars will come. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You, there's, I think any, so one, I was nodding my head with you while you were just like, I had in my head for a long time, I was going to write a book. So have I, and I didn't really know what that was going to be for a long Mm -hmm. time. I kind of searched for those ideas and had some different ones. And I think I finally found the one I'm going to do, but um, to your bigger point that, yeah, it's all any goal like that, whether it's a book or whether it's saving a million dollars, it's all about dedication. And, um, you know, you just have to be disciplined to, to do it. You know, I don't really want to get up on my Sunday morning at five in the morning to start Mm -hmm. writing, but that's what it's going to do to, you know, that's what it's going to take. Um, so that's what I do. Great stuff. Great stuff. All right. A couple last questions here for you. Yeah. One, you can answer this question however you want to answer it. One is give me something that is non-negotiable for you every day, non-negotiable that improves, you know, your mental health, physical health, whatever that is. You know, I, I don't want to say a non-negotiable can't be for you. I got to kiss my kids good morning every day. You know, that's, that's not a non-negotiable. I want something that is non-negotiable that, that improves your life every day do you have one Whew, that's a tough question um you know i don't know if this is a it's honesty that's it mm. um honest to myself honest and by no stretch do i meet that goal every day right mm-hmm. there i don't think there's probably a day that goes by where i don't say something like oh, why did i do that or i mm-hmm. should have done this differently or but the honesty to me is the that back to that self-reflective thing like who do i want to be what kind of person do i want to be for me and for others and then how do i try to stay true to that and i think like being honest is um one of the only ways that I have figured out thus far to try to do that. And I think, um, you know, if you talk to people in my life and, um, you know, they would say, yeah, Dave's pretty much a, you get, you you get what you see kind of guy. Like, I'm not going to, I'm going to tell you what I think if I think it's true. And I, you know, that doesn't mean I'm not wrong about things or, or that I don't, I'm not open for corrections and revision, but, um, 
yeah, I would say trying to be honest uh, about what I do in, in every interaction um, and knowing that that's a goal that might not always be, be reached. But it's something that you, you know, it's a non-negotiable every day. I, that's when I say non-negotiable, because I think a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I try to do this every day. So, okay, what about Saturday, Sunday? Eh, not so much on Saturday, Sunday. You know what I mean? And yeah. right now, I mean, just from me listening to you and visiting me for a little bit, I mean, one of your non-negotiables right now is you're going to write every day. Yeah, that's Monday I, through Monday. You're going to write. There's I'm no- sure. I'm sure. I sure try to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it might not always be good, but it's uh, that's it's okay. Something. That's okay. <laughs> Um, you know, this leads into my next question, you know, what's your, you know, if you had to make this up, you know, what's your legacy, you know, know, where everybody's at your funeral, we're, you know, uh, 70 years down the line and and where everyone's at your funeral, what's your legacy? I mean, uh, the, the obvious stuff I think is, you know, he was a, he was a good father. He was a good husband. And I hope that that's true, but, um, my ego talking is that I, I, I firmly believe that uh, the book that I'm working on is a mm. world-changing book. I know that sounds completely ridiculous to anybody who's like, who is this guy? They've never heard of him. Awesome. Um, but I think I'm writing uh, one of the smartest books that's ever been written about human communication. And I say that completely full of ego um, because I also think that's part of what it takes is to say what you're going to say and how you're going to say it. Um, but it follows my ideas, follow other thinkers and writers that I respect Mm -hmm. and whose work has influenced my own. And I draw influences from lots of different places. Um, so honestly, I've said, I've told my wife this and i've told some other friends this that this is going to be the my book's going to get me my wikipedia page which is kind of my uh, Uh. funny side goal (laughs) that someday there's going to be a wikipedia page with my name on it and nobody's going to know who i am but it's going to say he wrote this book on it so that's awesome (laughs) that's a that's a i love that and it makes me think about i don't know I don't even know what you have to do to get a Wikipedia page. So, <laughs> well, you know what? What I don't get about it is that like uh, you can find any uh, like low-level soccer player from Belgium has a Wikipedia page, but some guy who is a professor at a couple universities doesn't get one. So I guess I got to yeah. write a book to get one. So that's, that's right. what I'm going to do. All right. You know, maybe if you could just educate yourself a little bit, you know, that would help. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question. We have a lot of officials that listen to this podcast. You know, um, probably more than not. Um, I want to know if you could give one tip to the, every referee out there and obviously in life in general on communication, you know, what would that one tip be that, uh, you think is, is the most powerful to practice on a daily basis? I mean, are you, let me, let me try to pinpoint your question a little bit. Are you talking about referees in games? Do you want, do you want something that's going to help a referee? Uh, cause mm-hmm. I, I Go ahead. No, I don't think that's necessary. I, okay. I mean, because our communication skills are are carried over from. I, to me, the communication we have in a game is ninety minutes. The communication we have with partners and coordinators and other officials yeah. is a lifetime. I think the best, usually the best advice, and and again, not to dodge your question. I think this goes referee or not, but the best advice that I could give to help anybody uh, try to succeed just a little bit more at communicating with other people is to listen more. Mm-hmm. That's uh, an underrated, undervalued aspect uh, mm-hmm. of communicating. We tend to think about communicating as when we're talking and when we're, what we're trying to say, what we're trying to get across, but listening uh, is probably the easiest thing that you can do if you dedicate yourself to it because good listening isn't easy it's not just sitting there mm. right it's actively processing what the other person's saying trying to infer what they're talking about um, but listening is probably the best thing that most everybody uh, listening to your podcast can do uh, in any circumstance uh, when it comes to communicating better a through z that's right listen so keywords listen Keyword magical, right? Communication can be magical. Was there another one in there? I thought we mentioned. Um, maybe not. We were talking uh, self awareness. Self awareness. Yeah. Um, so, 
I mean, those are all things that we can, you know, we can go out and, and practice on a daily basis. Be very self-aware, you know, understand that communication is, you know, the, the, one of the key things you can do is listen and understand that it's magical, especially, especially when you get proficient at it and you try to raise that communication level up to a little bit better every day, a better, and then 20 years down the line, like, man, how did you get so good? At communication, what you know, what he or she does is almost magical. That means you're really, really working on that part of your skill. That makes sense. Totally agree. Perfect. All right. Hey, listen. Um, before we go, um, any book besides the one you're writing that you you think listeners should be reading? Oh, there's too many. There's actually a um, great book. I don't. Uh, I can remember the author's name right now there was actually just a, a good book released called you're not listening which is one of the better things i read mm. uh, hold on i have my computer right in front of me so i'm gonna find the author's name yeah wikipedia that baby <laughs> um that what else, what else have i been the good stuff i've been reading i'm always blowing through books um you're not listening what you're missing and why it matters the author's name is kate murphy that's the best book about communication that i've written or that I've uh, read in the last probably six months. So that would be something good uh, that I would recommend to people listening. Perfect. And then uh, if you don't mind, share ways to communicate with you. Some people out there listening, I really like to ask David a couple questions. I like to maybe get on his uh, email list, whatever it is. Give all your information one more time. Yeah, yeah please do. People can visit my website at davidarnovac.com. My email is uh, linked right at the top. Uh, I occasionally tweet at David R. Novak, um, and they can sign up for my newsletter at communicate.substack, S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K.com. Um, and I, on my website, uh, there's a, a little contact form. Uh, if people have questions about what communication is, or if I've said something that stimulates something for them, I, I love getting emails from people that have intelligent questions about how to communicate. So, uh, my uh, my my online door is always open, uh, mm, so to speak. I love it. That, that's a great phrase. My online door is always open. But I got news for you. Don't come knocking at my actual door and I'm fine <laughs> right? <laughs> I will not. I will be home writing probably. That's right. That's awesome. All right. And then, of course, you can contact me at jeffcross22 at gmail.com, um, any social media platform. But ultimately, I want you to know that all of my content, whether it be podcast whether it be um, uh, short YouTube videos, whatever that is, is on my Facebook page labeled TNG for tenacity and grit. So T and the and symbol G, tenacity and grit, um, has everything that I have um, typically post. So that kind of keeps me from scrolling through uh, the 99% negative on Facebook. And then I just put it on there and it keeps you off of that too, if you prefer to be off of that. So uh, David, thank you so much for spending just, I mean, we went close to an hour here, which was kind of long for us, but you know, the conversation was good and I appreciate you giving up a little bit of your Saturday for us. Um, know this, if I, if I can leave you with one thing, whether you know it or not, your book and you said you wanted to change the world, your actions that you're doing to write this book is changing the world and it's changing the world around people. So continue with that thought. Okay, buddy. Jeff, I appreciate that. And thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate the conversation. All right, David, we'll talk to you soon.